0: Psalm number 119, for those of you in our Sunday school class, um, you'll notice that this morning, when we went through our Sunday school class, uh, one of the more, I guess, well known and, if I can say, significant verses in Psalm 119, I just skipped. And the reason I skipped it is because I wanted to talk about it this morning in the morning service which is the final verse of Psalm number 119, verse number 176. All right, Psalm 119, verse 176. Let's read it together and then we'll pray. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. Let's pray. Our Lord, our Father, our Shepherd, Lord, we thank You for Your Word here. Thank You for the honesty that You put into the heart of the writer to speak just plainly. Lord, thank You that, Lord, we can read these words of the psalmist and we can see and hear ourselves. Thank You for Your people that are here this morning. Thank You for those that, though they can't be here, for various reasons, are tuning in, listening in, desirous uh, to uh, give attention to your word. Lord, I pray that you would truly help your people this uh, morning. And Lord, if there be one among us who is not yet converted, Lord, I just ask you to prick the, the heart and the conscience of that person. And Lord, for your people who are safely within your fold, I pray that you would instruct them and teach them, Lord, about yourself, about the way that you deal with them in love and in compassion. And, uh, Lord, just bless our time together. Lord, we have no power or ability except that you give it. So, Lord, we just trust you. I pray that you would give your people uh, hearts to hear and to receive your word. Lord, help me, if it be your will, to help them and uh, bless our time here this, this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to look at Psalm number, uh, verse number 176 in this Psalm, because it's a, when you read down through the, the Psalm, uh, Psalm 119 verse, these last few verses in 176, it's divided up into 22 sets of eight verses. You, you read down through this last set, and the final verse just kind of leaps out at you, because it's such an unusual way. It's like the end of Isaiah. Uh, the end of Isaiah has a has a or I'm sorry, the end of Malachi. The end of Malachi has a kind of a striking ending to the end of the Old Testament. It pronounces a curse, lest I come upon the earth with a curse. And this is kind of like that because it's it doesn't seem to fit the rest of uh, the rest of the Psalms so much, but it's it's an important truth. And basically, I see three things in this, and I just want to kind of go through them. Uh, first of all, in verse 176, it says this. I have gone astray, like a lost sheep. I have gone astray. You know, the Lord compares us to several different animals in the Scripture. One of them, the one of them that is probably lesser known, is He He compares us to a donkey, a wild donkey, in the book of Job. But one of the primary things the Lord compares us to is to a sheep, is because a sheep's nature is somewhat similar to our nature, and there are, there are definite parallels. But one thing is, is interesting to me is in the comparison of sheep, you, you one of the main characteristics of a sheep that is prominent as it relates and compares to a, a human being is the fact that sheep tend to go easily astray. Sheep do not, they tend to stay together, but then inevitably... They also tend to go astray, and they uh, sheep domesticated sheep especially they just can't simply can't live without a human, without a shepherd. They just can't live. They get themselves into positions through wandering, through going astray, uh, in which the 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 wilderness and the wild animals and all of those things will prey upon them until they finally perish. Except they have a shepherd to take care of them. They need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. What a fitting, what a fitting uh, representation of us. We need the Lord. Without the Lord, we ourselves, by our own actions, will wander and go astray from God 100% of the time. 100% of the time. And our wandering and our straying from God will eventually lead to our ruin, both in this life and in that which is to come. If you would look at uh, Psalm number 53. Don't please don't lose your place here because we are going to come back, but I want to show you something here. Psalm 53. Verse number one. Psalm 53, verse 1 says this. <clears throat> The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. Corrupt are they, and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. Every one of them has gone back. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. You know, this is is one of those those kind of rare cases when God tells us without any ambiguity, He tells us just plainly what He sees when He looks down upon the children of men. When He looks down upon us, He tells us He describes us. And He mentions in verse number, uh, and this is why I wanted to mention in verse 2, at the end of verse 2, He mentions that none... Seek God. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did seek God. And he says there's none. There's none. In Romans chapter 3, the Bible says this as well, quoting Psalm 14 and Psalm 53, which, are, which, are, uh, which say the same thing. It says, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Now in our psalm, uh, in verse number 176, the Bible says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant. So he, the psalmist is asking God to seek him because naturally he doesn't, he doesn't seek God. But this description of mankind, he, remember the psalmist is saying, I have gone astray. I have gone astray. And here's what I want us to understand. That it is our nature. It is our nature to go astray from God. It is who we are. You know, religion teaches uh, essentially religion, you know, self-righteous religion. We might call it works-based religion that teaches people how to be a good person, how to be a good person, how to do good things and so that they can pat themselves on the back and be a good person. The ultimate end of that and what ends up happening is the people that are involved and are indoctrinated with those errors think themselves to be good people. And so imagine the shock. When they, by chance, are reading through their Bible and come to Psalm number 53. When God repeatedly says, there is none that doeth good. He says in verse 3, every one of them is gone back. You know what that is? That's every living soul in this room. That's every living soul that's listening to this or will listen to this later through a recording. That's every person on, on the face of the earth. That's every person that's ever lived, with, of course, one exception. But the Lord says very plainly, they are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. And there's where the rub, there's where the rub comes in, because religion, because it teaches you that in order to be good, you have to do good. In order to be righteous, you have to do righteousness. And we've, we've covered that, but the David has talked about that, I, I know, in, in months, and a few years ago, when he had the opportunity to, uh, to preach in our services, he talked about that, the idea that our righteousness comes, comes by faith. But the problem is, is that when people teach that you do good to be good, you do righteousness to be righteous, people go away with self-righteousness. They think they're good. But God says the very opposite. And it makes no difference whether you're a part of a religion or you're not part of a religion. It doesn't make any difference if you're a member of Choice Hills Baptist Church or you're a member of some other Baptist church or a Presbyterian church or a Catholic church or you're part of a, an Islamic mosque or a Buddhist pagoda. It makes no difference. The Lord says very plainly, There is none that doeth good, no, not one. It describes them as filthy. The Lord looked down from heaven to see if there were any. This is all-inclusive. This is all-inclusive. were The Lord looked, the Lord surveyed, and found no good people. So if anybody ever asks you, are you a good person? That's a good question to ask people when you're trying to share the gospel. It's a good question to ask. Now, sadly, 8 out of 10 people are going to say yes. And sadly, when they do, you're going to have the displeasure of informing them that they're mistaken. <laughs> That's the reality. The bad news comes before the good news. But the Bible says very plainly, we are not good. And that's what we see in our psalm. He says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. This is not someone who is faithful to God, someone who keeps God's commandments. This is not someone who who stays close to the shepherd. This is someone who, who by his very nature, we're talking about sheep now, by their very nature, tend to wander. Let's look at a couple more verses. Look at Psalm 58, since we're already there. Verse number three. Psalm 58, verse three. These are probably familiar verses, but we'll read them anyway. Psalm 58, verse three. The wicked are estranged from the womb, You know what an estranged person is, right? When you have a husband and a wife who want to get a divorce and they become estranged. Legally, they say they're separated. Or you have a child that maybe is not in fellowship with his parents. What a, what a terrible situation. That's just a bad situation all around. But you know what? That's an estranged child. One who is distant from their family member. It says here, the wicked are estranged from the womb. You notice that. And the next part says, they go, the wicked go astray as soon as they be born. Now think of Uriah and his wife visiting with us. They have two little boys. We have Victor here and Callum. He's around here somewhere. We have Seth and Nathaniel and Robert. and We love these kids, but you know what? There's something in their nature, just like there's something in our nature that goes away from God, that doesn't love God, that doesn't want God, and that wants to live in rebellion to God. Notice what it says in, in, in the verse here. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born. You know, that, that connection with the birth, that tells us that this is not a result they haven't gone astray as a result of some evil that they've done in their life, like many of us that are adults have. No, 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 this is an estrangement. This is a, a straying that is part of their very nature. And you know what? At one point, you were a little child like this, and so was I. It's interesting because in verse three, it says the wicked are estranged from the womb. So here you have a little baby who God says in advance, that little bit ba- because it's just a fact, as cute as they are, I, I'm just being honest with you. As cute as they are, little babies grow up to be wicked people, don't they? Every single, every single wicked, ungodly, profane, abominable person. And I'm not t- listen. I'm not talking about everybody out there. <laughs> that's that's us, and we'll see that in a minute. But every single one of them was at one time one a cute little baby. And God speaks. In advance now, he says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born. So God's making a statement of the nature of that little baby. Before he has a chance to do any wicked wicked deeds, look at his nature. He's already estranged. It's his nature to go astray. Even as a little baby, he has that nature in him from birth. And then that nature turns in and it bears fruit, and it leads to eventually a full-fledged, adult, volitional, wicked person, which is what we read in verse 3, the wicked. But the Lord's talking about the nature, because it is our very nature to go astray from God. And that, listen, that doesn't matter if you're a, a believer in Christ or not a believer in Christ. That nature is in both. How do I know that? Well... Back in our our verse, it says, I have gone astray. Now, either the person writing this psalm was an unbeliever or believers also have a nature to go astray. And we do. And we do. In fact, one of the primary ways the Lord refers to His own people is as a what? As a sheep. In fact, he he differentiates the sheep from the goats. The goats are not his people. The sheep are his people. God refers to us as his people, believers as sheep, which means that nature of going astray. Look at Psalm 51, since we're this close. Psalm 51, verse number five. David in his great psalm of confession. You're not right with the Lord, and you need to get right with God, read Psalm 51. Psalm 51. You need to get the heart of David in your heart so that you can get, this, get, get whatever, whatever is not right with you right with the Lord in the same way that David did. Verse 5, as a part of his confession, he says this, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. What is this? Is this not? This doesn't mean that his... Some people have said that this refers to like David's mama's immoral or something. No, no, no. This is a statement about David's nature. In other words, David is saying, Lord, look at me. I'm just broke. I'm corrupt. Look what I've done. This is just the fruit of what I am. And I've been this way ever since I was born. I'm just messed up. I'm broken. I'm I'm just filthy. I have this nature to go astray from God. And in this case, David did go astray from God. That's what we have to understand. David did go astray from God. Now, we know that those, these little kids that I mentioned before, they're not accountable for what they've done because they've not, they've not been faced with the... And there, there's another time we could go into the doctrinal applications of this and from Romans 7 and other places, but they've never been faced with and confronted with the knowledge of the law of God that they have intentionally flouted to sin. That's an act of sin. What we're talking about is the sin that dwells in them. As a part of their nature, it's a part of every one of us. We tend to go astray. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse number 6, uh, probably one of the parts we skip over when we're reading John 3, we want to get to verse 7, but Jesus said in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. It's a statement of the nature. We sin because we, we do sin, because we have a nature to go astray from God. Now go back to our Psalm 119, if you would. That's the first thing I want us to see. He says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. You know what you have to do to be lost? Nothing. Those of you that have believed in Christ, that are God's children... Do you know what you had to, be, had to do to be lost? Nothing at all. It's not some great sin we sinned. It's not that, you know, it's not like we were good and then we drank that, that first, you know, that first glass of uh, a beer or took that first shot of liquor or did that first, you know, did those first drugs, bowed the knee to that first, No no, 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 no. We don't have to do anything because it's our nature. It's our nature. It will inevitably pull us like a magnet straight towards sin, and eventually we sin, and the fruit of it comes out. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Notice the next part. Seek thy servant. Here's what I want you to see from this. The Lord is ever the seeker of the lost. That's why he asked the Lord to seek him. Imagine being in a place, and this is where the psalmist is. He's wandered from God. He's astray. He recognizes this, and we'll, we'll see something about that in a second. But he recognizes where he is, but it comes to his mind to call upon God because he recognizes and identifies God as the one who seeks out those that are lost. God does not leave us lost. In the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter chapter 3, verse 9, Adam sinned, Eve sinned, and then what happened? They're hiding themselves from God. They're running away from God. They are going astray, right? That's what they're doing. And what is the next thing you find? The Lord, the voice of the Lord comes to the garden, and he says, Adam, where art thou? From the very, that's, this is the principle of first mention, which is, shows us something about God. The first time you see God interacting with sin, what is he doing? He's seeking the sinner. The very first time. He is a sinner seeking God. Psalm number 27, verse number 8 says this. This is the psalmist now speaking to God. He says this, When thou saidst seeking my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. So he says, Lord, I will seek your face. But he says that in response to what God has said to him. Did Adam and Eve seek seek the Lord? No. God sought them. First, anybody who seeks the Lord, seeks the Lord because God first seeks them. That's why uh, Psalm 53, we just read, says that we don't, the Lord looked down from heaven and he saw none that sought God, none. You say, well, I've, I've sought the Lord. I mean, I've read the Bible, gone to church, you know, I brought up in church, whatever, whatever, but listen, you only did that because of the influence of the grace of God seeking you out. Otherwise you would be totally, totally way outside I mean, far, far from God, as far as you can get. You say, I don't believe that. You're wrong. This is our nature. But God is the seeker of the lost. Look, if you would, at Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Hold your place there. I'm going to read one verse out of Luke, just to kind of give you a uh, a context for the... uh, what we're going to read in Matthew. Matthew 18, verse 11. Matthew 18, verse 11 says this, For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, is come to save that which was lost. And in Luke, chapter 19, verse 10, says something very similar. Luke 19, 10 says this, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. So Luke says, seek and to save. And Matthew 18, verse 11 says, The Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. So let's just put those two together because this is an overlapping truth here. If you read verse number 12, look at what it says. How thank ye... If a man have an hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and goeth into the wilderness, and seeketh? Remember verse 11, that which is gone astray. Now verse 11 doesn't use the word seek, it uses the word save. But in verse 12, the word seek is used like in Luke. And if so be that he find, find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep, than over the ninety and nine which went not astray. What do you see the shepherd doing? He's seeking the sheep. But the Bible says in Luke that he's seeking and saving. Seeking and saving. Now, how did the shepherd save us? How did the shepherd save us? There's a simple answer to that Isaiah 53. Verse 6, all we like sheep, this should sound familiar, have gone astray. Here's that word. There's There's those sinners being going astray again. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord, that's the shepherd, hath laid on him, Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. That's the salvation right there. Jesus came to save that which was lost. How? By the cross. Because he bled and died for sinners that had gone astray. For sinners that did not want him, that did not love him, that did not submit to his laws, that did not want his righteousness. They wanted sin. They wanted to go away from God and get as far from God as they could possibly get so that they could sin in peace. That's what Adam and Eve did. They didn't want the shame. They didn't want the reproach. They didn't want the humiliation of being confronted with, their, with the way that they had been living. And so they ran away from God. So Jesus took those, the sins of those sinners and took it upon himself. And it says, The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Of whom? Those that have gone astray in the verse. But it also says that's how he saved the sheep. He saved them by bleeding and dying on the cross for them, by his resurrection. That's the saving part. But it says the Son of Man is come to seek and to save. Notice that the Son of Man is come. Jesus came from heaven to earth to seek us. That's good. He came to seek us. You see that? The Lord is ever the seeker of the lost. He made a long journey. Just like we read here. If a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety nine and goeth into the mountains. That's quite a journey. And seeketh that which is gone astray. That's, that's a long journey. The Lord left heaven. The Lord took a long journey. The Lord did what was necessary, was willing to pay the price to seek us because it is our nature to go astray. And so He seeks us and He paid the penalty to save us. And in response to Him seeking us, we seek Him. Now look back at Psalm 119 if you would. Verse number 176. Says this, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. Isn't this a curious thing? You have a man who knows God and loves God telling the Lord that he's astray. (laughs) And then you have the same man who tells the Lord that he's astray saying, while he is astray, he says, I do not forget thy commandments. What a curious thing. Normally you think when somebody goes astray, they put all that out of their mind, right? All those commandments. They're running away from Lord. They're, they're wandering away from God. They don't want to have to do with his commandments. But no, 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 no. You're dealing with a, a child of God. Now you might, you might, if you think of a person who doesn't know God, when, when those people, sometimes these kids, listen to me now, do you, you, and for you kids that are in this room, As you get older, you're going to feel the temptation to go away from the truths that your parents have believed. That's what's going to happen. You're going to feel a temptation to wander from God and to turn your back on those things that you've been taught. And there are some people probably in this room that did that very thing. They were taught the Word of God. They were taught righteousness. They were taught to know and to love God. And then they, when they got of age, they departed from the Lord. They went astray. But here's the difference. When people that do not have God in them go astray, they don't think about God. They depart and run the opposite direction with no thought of the Lord like we read here. For I do not forget thy commandments. They, don't, they forget God's commandments they run as far, as far away and as fast as they can go from God's commandments, and it's not anywhere in their mind. And some, I'm afraid, there's some kids that come up in families that where the parents believe, believe in Christ. The parents are children of God. The parents are are uh, no God, but they themselves have never never put their faith in Christ. They said the prayer, you know. They said that sinner's prayer. They were led through that prayer and they did whatever they were supposed to do. But when they got of age, they left the Lord. They left every influence of the Lord and went their own way. And they're not looking back. You know why? Because they don't have God. They have a prayer, but they have no God. And that's just the reality of it. It's a sad state. You, listen. Take care to make sure your kids know the Lord. Take care to make sure that your kids truly have Jesus Christ in them. Do not brush it off. Deal with that matter. Talk to them as many times as you have to to settle their doubts and questions. Because I'm telling you, you have a kid grows up who has been saturated with the truth their whole life They hit those teenage years, and if God is not in them, truly, if they are not a true, truly born-again person, they are gone. They are gone. But what do we read here? I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. So we see our nature to go astray from God. This is a believer though. We see the Lord seeking out those that have gone astray from him. The Lord is compassionate and he doesn't, he doesn't if, if I can say it, he doesn't hold that against us because that's a part of our nature. And so he, he works, he, he works to, to bring us back knowing that we have a tendency to do this. But this verse is also a perfect description of the relationship that the believer has with his God. Because we, as children of God, often go astray from the Lord now. I'm talking about right now. We often go astray from the Lord through the flesh, through the devil's temptation, or perhaps the temptation of this world to lure us away from God. And God constantly seeks us and brings us back. And we slip away and he seeks us and brings us back. And he slip away and he seeks us and he brings us back. Over and over and over because he's a sinner seeking God. But here's what I want you to understand. Even as a believer, we tend to to slide away and we tend to go astray from God. But yet within us, because we are God's child and we have that mark right? That mark we read about of the genuine article, the presence of the Spirit of God in us. God is in us. And because of that, even though we stray, there's something still within us that God has put there. We might call it divine life, because that's what it is, that keeps our heart oriented toward the Lord. The Spirit of God keeps us, keeps our heart oriented toward the Lord, even when we're astray. So that with the psalmist, we say, Lord, I do not forget thy commandments. Lord, seek me. I'm, I, am, I am way out far from you and I don't know how to get back. I don't know, I don't know the way back, but seek me. I, I haven't forgotten. I'm just, I'm lost. I'm, I'm astray. I've got myself in a bad place. Lord, seek me. This is a saint calling upon God to bring him back. This is a saint calling upon God to bring him back. So what is the difference between the man who doesn't know God going astray, like the Bible says, we read, and the saint who goes astray? The difference is this. The difference is not in the wandering or the straying. No, they both wander. You have wandered from God as a believer, as I have wandered from God as a believer, to some degree or another. We both wander, the saint, the sinner, they both wander from God. But the difference is in the earnest and sincere desire to be recalled by the shepherd. You see, that sinner who goes away from God, he doesn't want to be, go back to the shepherd. But the saint who goes away from God because he has God in him, longs to be back with the shepherd. And so he calls upon the shepherd. I wonder, I wonder if there's anybody in here that's astray from God. You're a saint. You, have, you, know, you know for certain that you have trusted in Christ and you are born again. But you have wandered from God. You are not near the Lord right now. This is the prayer for you. God, seek me. I do not forget your commandments. Seek me, Lord. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't know the way back. Lord, seek me. Let's pray.